Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the wealth within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcast globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. This episode is a recording of our live YouTube weekly stock market show. Every Tuesday night, Dale and Janine stream live on YouTube from 7 to 8pm to answer your most burning questions, as well as analyse stock for our viewers. To watch the show, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Stock Market Show under the Learning Centre. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Good evening and welcome to Wealth Within Live, the Australian stock market show where you ask the questions and we give you the answers about all things investing and trading. We hope you had a good day and are ready for another great stock market show. Tonight we're going to explore three leading indicators that the stock market is topping out. As always, we'll look at what is currently happening on the Australian stock market, give you our thoughts, answer your most burning questions, look at the stocks that you're interested in, give you our expert opinion and a whole lot more. Hello, I'm Janine Cox, Senior Analyst at Wealth Within, and joining me tonight is Dale Gillam, our Chief Analyst, and we're Australia's most trusted stock market educators. Hi Dale, how are you today? A bit tired? I'm exhausted. <laughs> I think I'm starting to wake up you know, after my long weekend. Yeah, you had a good weekend, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, all my friends came up from Geelong and we went on a, a P&O cruise around Bass Strait. Mm, um, a comedy cruise. So we had cyclones off the east coast of Australia, three, four metre waves in Bass Strait. <laughs> so we had more ups and downs than a theme park. <laughs> so I hope you had your sea legs on. No, I was fine. No, it wasn't <laughs> bothering me, but there was a few people green under the gills. But oh um, no, you know, it's so. nothing worse than being on a boat when that's happening and you can smell it. <laughs> no, I mean the crew were great, but it's just it was a fun yeah. weekend. So oh, uh, I think I got the too many coronavirus while I was there. <laughs> so, it's just, you like that? I, I am so tired still today. You know, it's, mm. it's yeah, it was a bit. Uh, you like Asahi, don't you? Did you get stuck with? With another brand? No, 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 no. I just no. I drank anything. But, oh. uh, <laughs> but it, was, it was quite funny. A lot of people on the ship were drinking Coronas. I think were just saying, you know, sort of sticking the thumb up, oh. the finger up to, to the coronavirus. Saying, we're on a boat. We're going, and I, we all said the same. We hey, we're quite happy to stay here for two weeks and keep drinking. But okay. No, I don't do that. I think we better get move on. Yeah, no. I was partying a little bit. Okay. Just, this just a little bit. Just okay. Now, if you've got any uh, burning questions for us, on the right of the screen is the chat box. So put your questions there. And also, big thank you to anybody or big hello to anyone new to the show. I'm glad to have you on board and I hope you really enjoy the show. But uh, it's great to have you with us. Now, moving on, that's the third Tuesday in the month. And that means that we take a look at world markets. So how about we bring up our charting software and get into discussing these now? Now on the screen there, you can see I've got a list of all of the major markets now from top to bottom in order of the recent moves. These are the weekly moves that we've got on the screen there. And as you can see at the moment, the tech heavy NASDAQ 100 index in the US is leading the board. And below that, we've got the Hang Seng sort of halfway up the board uh, at half a percent. And then towards the bottom, we can see the FTSE, which we were talking about, I think, uh, recently on the show. And you can see there it's down 0.77%. So still struggling there 
um, on the FTSE. The Australian market's towards the centre, but slightly down. And we've been looking for the Australian market to take a bit of a, um, a dip and, and soften off a little bit. It needs to slow down in order to take the next step and move higher still. And looking at the, um, the Shanghai Comp, it actually um, made a nice move up for the week. So let's now look at what's happening for the month, see how the picture changes. We're seeing the NASDAQ holding the top position still up 7% for the month. Now that the US has um, been in reporting season, so that often drives those t types of moves. And we've seen the DAX um, over in Europe at 6.18% moving nicely. And of course, um, the major, some of the major indices in the US market, the, um, the Dow and the S&P 500 in the middle, middle order around the 4% mark. The Australian market for the month is up 1.5. Um, the All Ordinaries up 1.4. So interesting to see a little bit of a split there between the All Ordinaries and the Australian 200. Mm. Mm. Now looking at the year, um, again, we've got some differences there. Uh, quite a stark contrast there for the NASDAQ 100, up 10% for the year. Now that can change, so it's going to be interesting to see how that moves in the coming months as we move out of the US reporting. And we're looking at uh, the straight times index um, down 0.3%. At the bottom there we've got uh, Hang Seng down 0.8, minus 0.82, the FTSE down uh, minus 1.77. So. While the, the FTSE was down um, overall, uh, it's not a huge move it's on the downside bad, anyway for, for this amount of time. But then again, we're only into the second month of the year. Well, you think you think with the Chinese market being the, the Hang Seng and the Shanghai, you think you know, mm. there's always conjecture about what's happening with the coronavirus and how what effect it's going to have that their markets would be down more because mm, it's affecting would. them a hell of a lot more because yeah. of the manufacturing and et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So, but they're still holding up pretty well for the month, aren't they? So yeah, that's look, it's not too bad, is it really? I mean, it's mm. just, to me, it's showing a sign of the times that the markets mm. are, um, no, they're not euphoric really, but it's more buoyant, isn't it? Yeah, but it's like that anyway. I mean, people mm. think, you know, that also they mistakenly think that the market just travels on this even speed, you know, mm. but it doesn't. They have, yeah. you know, it's like you when you're traffic, you know, when you take off and then you slow down, you take off and you slow down. That's just how it works. But I you were going to say something. When you started talking about me in the traffic, I thought, here we go. Oh, no, you in the traffic. I'm starting, like, don't ever drive with your name, please. Don't ever do that. Too. I call her the AB driver, accelerator brake, accelerator brake. That's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, next subject, please. <laughs> I would like to understand, we might have a, one of these days we'll look at the NASDAQ and yes. look at what, what's in the NASDAQ that's actually driving it. Because I know tech okay. stocks are driving the US market still yeah, at this point really in time. Microsoft's still taking mm, off. Uh, Apple's still doing really well. Uh, some of the chip manufacturers I do like, you know, like your Qualcomm's and mm. those sorts of stuff are going still going quite well. But, but eventually all, all good things come to an end, don't they? Yeah. So, you know, so we, whereas with our rising. market, it's a mm. case of being really selective, isn't it? So yeah. Because there are the haves and the haves nots. Mm. Mm. Oh yeah, and our so market this, is. It's but it's again. It's not about. I find a lot of people chase returns, and it's mm -hmm. sort of like a kid in a lolly shop. They just go, oh, here, 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 and here, and here. So they see something like Tesla. So it's already done. Yeah, well, they see Tesla go up 150, 200 percent in the last six months. You know, and they go, whoa. 
better have a look at that. I better get into that now. Mm. And, but well, you don't want more. You actually want less to focus on. The less you focus on, the more money you make. You mean as in a smaller number of stocks? Yeah, yeah. Mm. And it's not about, and that's what I'm saying, it's not about having a huge selection. And I don't know how many times I've had somebody on the phone going, you know, I want to trade the US market because there's 500 stocks there and there's 2,000 over there and then I can do this. And I get on this platform and they give me 2,000 things I can trade. And I go, wow, I only need four. Mm. You know, why do I need 2,000? It just makes it more complex. Crazy. But, but it is. But it'll be interesting to see the constituents of the mm. NASDAQ and have a good look at that. Maybe we might put that in the brain for next week. There you go. What have we got now? All right. Uh, Dow. So we're Ooh. looking at the chart of the Dow now, and we can see this is a monthly chart. We can I see how it's accelerated off. What, what's interesting, okay, is mm. that from January 2018 all the way through this period mm. to October 2019, there was nothing, no, no money to be made in, overall on the Dow. It just was sideways. Mm. I mean, there may have been a few stocks that were going up, mm. and but the large majority were following or tracking a similar pattern. And so therefore, we've seen a breakout more recently. The last four months, it's gone up. You know, it's trying to make to play catch up now, but how much more upside is there really? Because we're, yeah. we're talking about the low was December 2018. Mm. So therefore, how long has it been rising? And that's what you've got to look at, isn't it? Yeah, but it's all, all this time people have been saying the Dow's going to crash, the GFC is going to happen mm. again, blah, 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 blah. The Fed just keep pumping up the Dow. They keep pumping up. They keep mm. printing money. And so many people are saying, oh, because the Fed keeps printing money that the market's going to crash. And I think... But usually it's when the Fed it's keeps not. printing money, it's the opposite, isn't it? Like it's, there's yeah, more money in the keeps economy. Supporting, yeah, but they're saying it's mm. because that's supporting the market, it's oh, got yeah, to crash. Okay. And it's like... Well, eventually it will. But there was a guy on the, uh, the, the YouTube thing today and he made a post because somebody asked about something to do with that anyway. Mm. And he goes, he said, you've got to separate the economy from the market mm. because the market... When if you keep focusing on what's happening in the market, you'll never make money on. Uh, sorry, mm. if you keep the focusing economy. on the economy, you'll never make money in the market because you're always going to be in the doom and gloom mm. about what's going on. So well, not just to... that. You and I have studied the business cycles mm. versus the market and how mm. they they form. They the overall they tend to roll together. Yes. But there is a lag, isn't there? Mm. Mm. Yeah. So right now everything's looking really good on the Dow, and I think it's it's going yep. to keep moving. All right, so that's the down. Now let's have a look at the next one we've got there. So we've got the S&P up there as well. Similar Very sorts strong. of moves, but a bit stronger, obviously, than the Dow because of the types of stocks we've mm. got in there. Uh, moving on to the next one, the DAX, we can see it's that's just come out strong. of a big decline. So therefore, having a bit similar mm. to our market more recently in that we've, we've had a decline and then we, we've gone to a new all-time high with the, the GFC. So our market was down for a long time. It's taken, what, more than... 10 years to, to get through um, to a new all-time high. But this is a small move down with a move to the new all-time high. So there's not a lot of resistance overhead is what I'm coming to. And that's the same with our market. So the FTSE still struggling to make new highs. So I can't see you know that happening in the next you know week or two. But if we see a move up through this high here back in July 2019, then I'd say that it'd be moving on to make a new all-time high. Yeah, we need to see some trade deals going through. Oh, yeah, exactly. And look, the Hang Seng has been uh, stuck as well in a sideways move there, but it's not too far away mm. from seeing a rise above here in January 2020. Mm. Stranger things have happened, like you've talked about with the coronavirus and then markets not imploding. 
So therefore, it wouldn't be unusual to see the market take off. How many months of the riots that. been going on in Hong Kong? Yeah, because it delays the buyers, doesn't it? Mm. People put off buying because of everything going on, and then all of a sudden, bang, Being something triggers. Mm. Uh, the, you know, people in the market or the, the the government talk about some change, and then all of a sudden, you start to see moves it's up. Correct. So That's if it goes high. well, if it trades back below this low here in December two thousand and nineteen, the opposite would be true, and then we'd know mm. it's going into a much deeper decline. But mm. at the moment, it's holding. So that's the, the um, Hang Seng. And then we've got the, the Shanghai Comp there, looking at Asian markets as well. Probably the most heavily hit um, of the, the Asian markets we've just looked at. Still in a sideways move, doesn't look great. You know, it's still questionable. It's mm. early days yet on this one to see yeah. it move through. But that is a really reasonable, significant um, trough there yeah. or low that's occurred. So it could be the start of a move up. But mm. another move back below this low in August, and we know which direction that market's moving mm. down. So, all right. So that's um, we've covered off on enough, I think, there on the world market. So now it's time to get into our first email of the night. I love emails. Yeah. Okay. Um, I should get you to read the first one, seeing I'm in control tonight. But your name's on that, not mine. But anyway, all right. (laughs) Um, It's from Michael. Our first email's from Michael. He says, uh, can you explain this XXX ticket code? Um, Having issued a rights issue offering shareholders the right to subscribe to new shares in the company at the ratio of one new share for every two shares held at a subscription price of 40 cents a share. Uh, the rights are not expected to trade. Um, how does a rights issue differ to shares? If the rights don't trade, what is the use in holding them? Basically, it's just a, a form of capital raising. That's all the rights issue is. And they're saying to you, as a shareholder, you might like to own more of them um, because it's not. Sometimes when you have rights issues and they trade, you can just sell your rights, rights issue on the market. Um, but the rights issue just give you the right to get one more share per two that you've already got. And generally, it's at a discount, slightly discount, like a, a, the, the, what they call the VWAP or the volume weighted average price over a period of time, like the last 30 days, you'll get the VWAP for the last 30 days or something. Mm. Um, but it's, you, you've got to look at the stock itself. You've got to do your analysis on the stock. You've got to determine whether you want to yeah. hold more of it. Do you that. want to hold more? Is it what going happens, up? What happens yeah. to your, your existing holding if you don't yeah. take it, it gets, up? It gets diluted. diluted. Yeah. yeah. So, mm. but yeah, but look at the rights issue itself. Okay. All right, so shall we go on to the next question? What's your, you're in control. You told me that. Okay. Hi, team. I was wondering if you could have a look at MES, uh, Meridian Energy, for me, please. I bought in 21st of 11th, 19 at 410, and it's my second share purchase. Oh, congratulations. Hmm. Hopefully you bought it on some rules. Bought solely on the fact that I used the company for my energy. Mm. Good reason. I'm a total beginner, and to me, the stock is looking good, but would love your professional opinions. I've I've got Dale's book, fantastic, and no, looking she's forward got to learning you got more. That. This she's is Liz. Bored. Hi, Liz. Great to see another lady out there. Okay, so um, professional opinion. What so are we... now you've got to go to the stock. So thank you for buying my book, Liz. It's great, <laughs> and uh, um, you probably once you've read it, you'll realise that just because you use a company for their energy is probably not a really good reason to actually buy the shares. But fantastic that you're good actually that you in it. them. Yeah, it is fantastic that you are in the market but it's about more about how you're going to manage it from here and looking at what the style of portfolio you like and that needs to be balanced out to what your risk profile is whether you're more risk adverse or you're more adventurous on the risk side so but um, now if liz has actually mm. looked at a chart and then she would know it's going up it is going up but she said she's making money so on that's, it. Half, that's half good. the battle isn't it to find yeah. a share that's going up 
So she's done well. So you've done well in that regard. So it's just gone to a new all-time mm. high recently. We can see this high mm. in September 2019 is being taken out. Now, looking at the way that it's moving, there's a nice trend under it. So if you've read Dale's book, then you, you'll have some knowledge on um, looking at trend lines and, tr and stop losses and how to apply those. So, you know, it's, good, it's a good idea to have a stop loss on any stock that you purchase just to make sure that your downside is protected so you can preserve your capital and have money there to trade again. Um, but at the moment, this stock looks like it's doing okay. So next stock. Um, the next, well, the next question, the stock, we actually got to get into the chat oh, we and do. get to the stock. That's so. my mistake, actually. Let's get into the chat here. This is the part I that I normally love. What happened I know. There? You look at the stocks and you love the Box. chat, but you're on behind it. So let's have <laughs> okay. a look at We've got a question from Patriot. Now, yep. Patriot's asking, now, mate, uh, I think his name is Frank. Frank, you don't need to post it on two different places. I know you posted it on my market report yesterday and the same question you're posting here tonight. Just post it once. We'll get to it. Um, but he says, hi, Dale and Janine. Looking forward to yet another great program tonight. Fantastic. We always do a good program, don't we? If I do say so myself, okay. Um, I wish you could find a minute to share your views on Capital Notes. Thanks, Frank. Um, I'm not going to let you answer this one, just because it's my turn to talk. <laughs> but I'm not saying a word. Capital Notes are issued by, a, basically it's just another form of capital raising. That's simply all it is. And so, you, and without knowing which capital note you're talking about, I know NAB's doing one at the moment, um, but you need to look at what the, the deal is with the capital notes and look at what they're offering you. Generally, it's a basically could be a convertible into a stock or it could be just um, you know getting some income there from, but it's basically debt raising from the bank. Um, uh, or, or, or I think it is for the NAB. They're just um, refinancing you asked me not debt. Not to speak, but you looked at me as if you wanted me to. Well, no, I thought you had a question for me. Messages here. I thought only women did that. No, but I thought you'd go, Jase, Dale, you're doing a good job with this. Just keep going. Okay. Um, but it's just a capital raising, mate. So without the knowing specifically just, which one you're talking about. Can I just make some about, comment you, there? You can make a comment. Okay. The other thing with some of these notes mm -hmm. is that they are, there'll be pearls listed on the exchange, mm -hmm. for example, Commonwealth Bank um, pearls, and they are actually less volatile than the actual underlying stock. But then the, the, there's the opportunity, less opportunity potentially to make money. So you might make more capital growth on on the, the stock that's listed in the market than you would on the actual pearl, but then it may pay a better rate mm. um, being in the, in, the, in the pearl, for example. Yeah. But, well, that but was, it depends because yeah. when the GFC hit, there was a lot of things that changed in those in terms mm. of the conditions. And yes. I had lots of conversations with this one journalist who was following everything that was happening because what they were doing was they were offloading the risk from themselves, the banks, onto you. Correct. So basically giving themselves more flexibility in the event something went wrong that you would have have less um, come back mm. or, or, or they could tighten things up effectively. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you really need to read the fine print and I know that you may not want to because they're really it's really dry reading when you get into it but you really have to understand what you're investing in regardless mm. of what you put your money in, regardless of what your financial mm. advisor says or someone else says, you need to look at it. Yeah, look so at look, the stock. Um, now we've got another question, have we? Uh, yeah, we've got another question. It's um, from Vishvantha, and he's asking about NEA. Okay. So or Nearmap. So let's Near have a look map. at that. That's an interesting one. We've looked at Nearmap before, I think, and I remember. Yeah, it's one that come, it comes up every now and again, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. So this one actually dropped, and we looked at this, I think, recently, mm. where it had gapped down, and has just been um, trying to find support after this big decline. It's fallen to, through a significant level, which is always a test for some of these shares because if they, it one of the most significant levels for this share is about um, is 
roughly where that high is in September 2018, which is around $2. So it has to really push back above that $2 mark strongly to recover and, and confirm that it's going to go up again. So I wouldn't be looking to buy this anytime soon. Trying to pick up a stock like this is, is the catch a falling knife. There were plenty of exit signals all the way from this high to get out. If you had been using our rules, you would have been out of this stock long before this drop occurred. And remember, a stock is never cheap, even if it's fallen down to a level that hasn't been at before. So um, have we covered off all well, of those stocks? Right now There's it looks SHIT, one. doesn't it? Yes, we've got another one. EXL was another one that you mentioned before. Um, um, no, that's a on a question, oh, I okay. think. So we've done that one, done that one. Yep. Um, we've got CPU with Ross. Now I'll read CPU. Ross's question out if you just give me two seconds. Okay. Um, Ross is saying, hi guys, I purchased CPU on the 6th of November for 16 13, uh, wanting your thoughts on the medium term for this stock. But I do have a, I didn't read out um, Vish Vantha's question because he had a quite interesting question because he, he mm. bought some shares on NEA last year and sold them recently um, that they've been the top 10 shorted shares. And I know we've talked about that in oh, one of yes. our previous program about shorted shares. Now, yes. um, he said that the, the share price plunged after that uh, at the end of January. I'm planning to buy them, but they're still in the top 10 shorter shares, can you please advise? The answer is don't buy them. It's <laughs> pretty much is what we're saying. It looks terrible. Yeah. Um, look for different stocks at the moment. So let's now look at CPU for Ross. Okay. Who is, did I read his question out? Um, not exactly. Okay, yeah, to. bought it at 16.13. So he wants our source yeah. thoughts. So 16.13 is quite low, really, compared to where it's trading at at the moment. So if you did purchase down here, so on, you haven't said when you purchased, but if you purchased after the low, that'd be November great. November 2019. So around about where you had your point. Yeah, which is great because that's a good time to be looking mm. to buy a stock like this. And it looks good to And me. it's trended all the way up. It was looking nice all the way up here. And it has had a little bit of a hiccup. This was through reporting season. That was the dividend. That was the ex-dividend. It was mm. a, someone had made a mistake, mm. um, obviously, when they, when they traded by the look of that. And... He dropped 6% on the dividend and then it the dividend was only a couple of Completely out of character, wasn't it, mm. uh, as to what's going on. So, it, But it closed all the way up here on the 14th of February for the end of the week, which is usually a good sign if a stock does that. And it was actually due for a low. We'd been waiting for this stock to make a low for a while. Mm. Often what stocks can do, as you can see here on the monthly chart, is we, can, we often see that there are big swings in price at times, particularly around reporting season, before a stock gets momentum again to make a move up. So look, I'm still long term. I still like CPU, and at the moment, that's um, that's the way we look at it. Mm, mm, I like CPU myself mm. too, so I think it's pretty good. All right, okay. Now is the time to get into our subject for tonight's show. Um, that is, Dale and I will explore three leading indicators that the stock market is topping out before a major correction. What's great is that all three relate to human behaviour, which you can observe. Now, when a market is reaching a long-term high prior to a major crash, what do human beings do? The answer is people do crazy things. They react and they observe what's going on around them and then they borrow and lend and the lending in banks goes through the roof and you see banks will be doing really well. Personal lending, home loans for properties reach extremes. Banks are our friends during that period. Margin lending levels multiply for investments in the markets and in very little time the market accelerates into the market high. Now as markets go up, so do hem levels on ladies skirts. Do you know that? There's no comment there. I think I've stumped him. <laughs> I put that one in on purpose. Yeah. 
So let's take a look at what occurred with margin lending levels before, during and after the GFC to explain this phenomenon. Now on the screen there, you'll see a graph of the margin lending curve, which might astound some of you if you've never seen this before. Now what this shows is that during the GFC or prior to the GFC, margin lendings in the few years before, margin lending was at, uh, at reasonable levels and mm. then it started to accelerate really quickly in just a few years prior to the high and got to ex absolutely extreme levels. People were just throwing money at these um, margin lenders to purchase stocks to get into the stock market. So that's what you have to be looking at, watching these types, this type of information to see what's going on. And you don't need to be Einstein to, to see what's happened there. And then when the GFC hit, of course, there were, there were stocks started to fall initially. And that's when we had the pullback on the market into that early period in 2008. And then the market started to try to recover. So what was happening there was that the margin calls started happening early. So the people in the know and people were getting out of the market, people in the know, like us, and we were, we were selling out into cash. Um, and then what was happening is that there were people coming back into the market again. Mm. So they were trying to buy back in because they hadn't bought before. And you made lots of comments about this at the yeah, time, well, didn't you? Yeah, up into, up into the GFC high, and this is where or how you will recognise the market coming to a peak, is you start seeing signs in that two years prior, you start seeing um, newspaper announcements, record levels of margin lending, record levels. Uh, and so you'll see that. And then the closer it gets to the high, the more you'll see that. Like last month, there was more more margin lending applications um, submitted, and more money put into margin lending or into the market because of margin lending. So you'll see that a lot. And then after, once the market starts to crash, you'll see the opposite. You'll say you'll start seeing record levels of uh, people getting out of margin lending or margin. But calls. you don't hear that initially. It's not no, in the public, right? But they keep it quiet at the start. It's only mm. many months after that started to unfold mm. that they bring it out. Yeah, and, and you, see, you hear the biggest noise at the bottom. Mm. Yeah, that's where you hear the biggest noise when it hits. The, so in around that March 2009, if you go back and look at the newspapers, and it's probably a good idea to go to the library, the, you know, the state library, and, the, and go and look at the newspapers just before the crash, in that six months before the crash, like the Fin Review, and look at it in those six months prior to the low in March 2009, and you'll see the headlines. But they repeat, and I can guarantee you on every crash, I could show you a headline and take the date off it, and you would know where we're talking about 1929, or you're talking about 1987, or whether we're talking about 2007. And we've done that before, mm. haven't we? Where we've shown people newspaper things, and then we go, okay, now look at the date. And people yeah. are astounded at some of the headlines there. But that's a real easy way for you to pick that up. Now, the second area to, to observe in what's happening um, is with managed funds. So what most people do is when they get their margin lending, they don't put them directly into stocks like I do and like Janine mm. does. They're not buying BHP directly, although that does happen. And a lot of money is going into direct shares. The majority of money is going into managed funds. And what we saw in the GFC or prior to that is that uh, financial planners were using a managed fund as, as security to get more money from margin lender to go into another managed fund because the market was rising quite strongly. So the actual numbers worked out. If you're borrowing at 7% to make 20%, that makes sense, doesn't it? Mm. So that they were borrowing more and more and more. And then we saw things with the Storm Financial where the people were taking out lines of credit on their house to go into the market and then getting a margin loan and double leveraging and that's why those people really got burnt bit, uh, a bit hard on that. But you're seeing those sorts of things happening. So when you're looking Smart at fund flows... Smart people were leveraging mm. their houses to the max and 
You know, it was mm. just shocking, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, otherwise smart people were doing mm. that because it was that greed because the market was running very, very well. And so they're going, oh, I don't have to pay 5 6 7 8% on this to make mm. 20% over here. That's just a no-brainer. But you can't – double leveraging is seriously, seriously risky. So borrowing money out of your house and then borrowing again on the margin loan. Mm. Um, and that's really seriously risky, especially if Look, you're... we've got some clients mm. who've put themselves into that position yeah. who have actually come on board and have mm. been doing our courses or have done our courses for that very reason. But yeah. there's a lot of people that shy away and never come back to the market again. Yeah, they do. I remember we had mm. a, I had a couple in 2009, sort of probably the end of 2009, come in and they had a million dollars before the GFC. They leveraged up with their financial planner. Then they had over $3 million in the market yeah. sitting pretty. And then they were back down when they came into us. I think they were down to about 700000 mm. You know, and they said, we just, this is a big roller coaster, right? So that's one thing you got to look at. So again, if you see in the newspapers and that, you know, about record inflows into the stock market, record um, margin lending, you really do need to have a look at that and say, okay, the market is peaking. That doesn't mean to get out. All it means is there's just a road sign. It's like coming up into roadworks and it says slow down to 40. There could be something dangerous happening. So, um, but... What we find is people who've never invested in the stock market right now will actually start using ETFs. This is the new managed funds, as you've heard me talk about it, and they're investing in these with droves with little or no understanding or knowledge of the market and or how to protect their money because the average person does not sell. They just hang on to it and they think, oh, well, it's an ETF. I can sell it any single time I want. That's how they're promoted. You're getting diversification uh, or more diversification than you could on their own, that they're safe mm. and that you'll be able to exit at any time because you can buy and sell on the exchange. But if you go and read the fine print, they can stop quoting the ETF on the exchange and they can close the ETF down, a whole range of things they can do. So if the market's... Uh, if masses of people are getting in there and there's trillions of dollars in ETFs now, mm. when the amount of money going into that starts to go vertical, that's when I'd be getting out of my ETFs because what's going to happen is then not everybody's going to be able to get out. Yeah. They're just going to shut them down in terms of they're going to stop quoting them because that's what will happen is everybody's going to try and get out quickly and they can't because that would cause the managed fund that's running the ETF to a lot of issues and so they would just stop quoting it or pull it off or, or do something like that so that they don't lose out because the one thing i know for certain is the big end of town don't lose um and mum and dad generally lose well they did during the gfc and eventually. they did during the gfc but it's not to panic i'm not saying this mm. to get you to panic so if you've got etfs stay with them if they're going up stay with them the market's not crashing anytime soon because we're not seeing any of this sort of stuff at the mm. moment so yeah what else can so what do? else do, we, do you observe during this time so the final one for you to observe has to be around you, you, right? So yeah. it's your friends, your family. Observe yourself for a start, friends, family, and the strangers that you meet in the street because they'll strike up a conversation with you about the stock market. Now, there's a long period of time after a correction mm. where people just don't want to talk about it, do they? <laughs> you know, they won't tell you about it. And then now if you tell them that you have the knowledge on the subject, then everyone will want to be your friend and you'll be invited to lots of parties. And then what do you think their reaction will be when you tell them that you have, that you have a quality education or have had a quality education? They're going to be wanting to pick your brain and ask you for tips. I can guarantee mm. you that. So... Well, it is, and it, you find that, and probably the easiest example of this, that I can, uh, more recent one, is the Bitcoin boom. Mm. Because I know from our point of view in that sort of 2017 area, we were getting 
pretty much every second call, teach me how to trade Bitcoin, teach me mm. how to trade Teach me, and we were getting people on pensions that had pulled all their money out of the house using all their money. They're all their superannuation, you know. Mm. People, you know, they were either under 25 or they were over 65, and they were trying to get rich quick on this Bitcoin boom. And we we're saying, mm, don't do that. Yep. And if That's you look the, at the they're bit- the outliers on the curve, aren't they? Yeah. And you saw mm. the charts of Bitcoin, it was going vertical. And I remember sitting in Sydney with the, the editor of the business section of the Sydney Daily Telegraph. And uh, before before the crash, and this was about eight weeks before the crash, and I said, Bitcoin's going to crash. He goes, no, it's going this, did it? And I said, no, it's going to crash. Mm. And he was 25 or 27, and he just did not believe me that I thought it was going to crash. I said, it's mm. too hot because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And then with about six or eight weeks later, that's when it crashed. So, so what you're saying is that all the people start to come out of the woodwork with no knowledge correct. and looking to my trade gardener, things that are high risk. My gardener yeah. was coming up and he goes, mate, I know what you do, but Bitcoin, what could I do with that? And I said, stay oh. away. You know, the pool guy came around <laughs> and he goes, Bitcoin, Dale, Bitcoin, Dale. And I went, no, no, no. Yeah. You know, so the cleaner's coming around, Bitcoin, Dale. I go, no. So that's what was happening to me. Uh, and so, but, Were you yeah. frustrated? Oh, it was just... It just was, a little bit. Yeah, it was. It was ridiculous. But, and okay. they all got burnt. Right. So oh, that's terrible. All right. Okay. Now we have one more email for you. And this time oh. it's from Deborah Marie, another lady. Fantastic. Um, in Deborah's email, she says, hi, guys. I hope you're all well. Thank- this not. is a question. I've got the coronavirus. <laughs> can you, Dale? <laughs> yep. Or, or Janine, if I can. If you have shares in a company, EXL, on the ASX, um, yes, I'm quite aware it was a speculative stock in the cannabis industry that was a hold and bloody hope basically okay, okay. i don't swear i call them buy and pray stocks <laughs> buy and pray they go up want to be clear that i have not used any rules to get into the the stock and it was a spur of the moment thing with intentions to hold for the cannabis boom which we all thought was going to happen a lot quicker than it has happened now if that company decides to sell to an overseas company what happens to our shares on the asx and do we just lose them i've never come across this and i'm not sure of the outcome so much um, if you can help with an answer Deborah Marie thank you Deborah that's an awesome one uh, look I mean from my perspective I could, mm. I've looked at lots of stocks that have been taken over mm. more from the point of view that it really irks me when boards sell stock or sell companies that I mm. can see have huge potential and to me they're selling them for way under what they're going to be in the next few years now there have been some and off the top of my head I can't think of who they are really good ones where the board have actually held out for more money and it it works out on the chart so we do price projections and time analysis to work out where a stock's likely to turn in price and time and how it's likely to unfold right and we can see what the value is but the, the board are only looking at what they're looking at and we can see what is likely to occur. So um, congratulations to some of those boards who have actually worked um, correctly at, at getting the right deal for shareholders. But it really irks me when these boards sell out too low and shareholders don't get the right deal. So what happens is basically um, you'll, if the takeover is successful, then yes, you do lose your shares, but you get paid money for those shares. And that's the, the well. You'll either get issue, cash in your in your bank account, or you'll get or shares, more shares or, in the other company, or shares in the, in the company taking over. So you may end up with shares in an overseas company, but mm. probably unlikely. You're probably more likely just to get paid out a a, a check. But yeah, but that's those those boards. You know, I think there's so many boards in Australia are so short sighted. It's one of my pet bugbears. You know, mm. it's not about the longevity of a company. It's about how much money they're going to get paid in a bonus. But it's for not, doing it's, it was hard during the GFC for mm. those companies, though, because mm. they had had to put up with shareholders, you know, 
feeding mm. them up during that time when in actual fact it's part of the market cycle that it's they were going to go down anyway. Correct. And mm. so it's really the shareholders' lack of knowledge there that's the problem in terms of understanding those cycles. Mm. But then the boards get pushed to sell the stock by institutions or by shareholders and in reality they're not seeing what that they've already gone through the whole decline and they're coming out the other side and selling now, seriously? Mm. You know, so that can happen. So the stock was actually EXL if we just have a quick look. But in this case, you know, I, I can't really see. I think we've talked about this on the show already because I just remember this particular stock. It could have even been last week. I don't remember week, that one. Yeah. Um, or the week before. But um, look, this, it's got huge resistance at forty anyway. So to get through that level would be a real challenge for it. So if that was the company that, and I've got the right code, then I think it's, it's really, it doesn't look like it's under under takeover and if it was going to be under takeover you would see the share price moving up and often you know the market knows something beforehand and so you know shares usually are already rising when that happens and if they've been sold down beforehand I think I mentioned on the show that I'm always a bit sus on that um, where the stock gets sold down right before a takeover and then it pushes back up that was the case of Bellamy's I think wasn't it um, mm. that Bellamy's got pushed down and to me that there's a little argy-bargy um, often can be going on in the marketplace. Um, not saying that specifically Bellamy's, but that was just an example where you see stocks fall first and then rise straight after the news comes out. So um, that's really all I've got to say on that. I think it's time that we get into the chat and see what are the questions we've got there, shall we? Oh, that's easy enough, isn't it? I can do that. So the next one is for Francois. He was asking about Goodman Group. So let me just Goodman bring up his Group. question. Nice property stock. Yeah, it is Big a really company. good He's saying, if you have a chance, please have a look at Goodman Group. I do not own it, um, but keen on another top 20 stock in my portfolio. But very good stock choice. Yeah, okay. So look, Goodman Group should go up for at least another three or four months in theory. And often when the stocks are going to go ex-dividend, which... These property stocks often pay dividends in the middle of the end of the year. So we could see a rise. Dale's been, been expecting the market to peak, um, have the yearly peak any time. Now, the market could run on a little bit further, but you know stocks like these could run on for a number of weeks or months more towards that period. So at the moment, it's looking nice. And um, yeah, I think it's going to go well. So Goodman Group, next one. The, the next one is for Oscar, who's asking about Woolworths and coal. So I'll just go. It's a, he's got a good question, actually. So I'll go there for okay. his whole question, if I can bring it up. Um, he's saying, hey, guys, had a general question in relation to some news out of today's media regarding coals. Um, he's saying with the potential RC into wages, because um, I know coals came out and said they were underpaying people today. Oh, that's um, nice. They shed a load of money. It's the, and they don't run a restaurant too, so that's pretty good. Um, but what are your thoughts for Woolies and Coles going forward? All right. Now, I mean, they're both being really bullish. And mm. when a stock's bullish, you would just assume that they're going to continue to be bullish until the chart tells you otherwise. So mm. looking at Woolies, given that it's run on for, what, four, five, six, seven weeks, I would say that it's more than likely due for a bit of a pullback right now. Uh, given it's done that. It could go up for another week or so and then turn back, but that's generally what happens after a stock's gone to a new all-time high. They tend to go up for a few months and then find a bit of support shortly after. So then we've got Coles there. Mm -hmm. Now, Coles has done a similar sort of thing, traded up for um, the same amount of weeks. So it's actually pulled back already. So we're starting to see a bit of a move down. Not as strong as Woolies. Uh, I do like both of them, but 
as I've said before, Woolies got, has got more history in terms of the data. So for our, from a technical analyst point of view, it's much easier for us to say, you know, that we like both, but we like Woolies because we can analyse it and get a better understanding of where it's likely to go. But mm -hmm. often where um, stocks in the same space sector um, are moving up, they'll often move together when the markets have yes. been bullish. So that's what we're seeing now. Could also be a move to a more defensive position in retail um, that we're seeing in Woolies and Coles. Well, I think it's interesting because of that, that the German company, Kaufland, Korf, is it? Is Korf, it? Korf, Korf, whatever it is, you guys know who we're talking that. about. They, they pulled the out, out, yeah, they pulled out in the last month and now they've got all these sites up for sale. So if you, if you want to buy a big site that was supermarket would fit on, give them a call. They might be, may, might be going cheap. Um, but because obviously they were trying to create competition again like Aldi, mm. and Aldi is picking up a big a reasonable market share on uh, in that grocery area. But it was interesting to see that the German companies pulled out and uh, these things have been powering on anyway. Look, some of my mm. relatives absolutely love Audi and they have all these specials on with camping stuff and all yeah. that, that attracts people in there. But I don't like going to Audi. No, I, I don't go like, there either. Yeah, I don't go there either. Um, All right. I'd rather support Aussie. I go to the local fruit and veggie guy and the local butcher and everything else. So yep. yeah, that's my beef anyway. But let's look at the next question. It's from Michael. It's on SKI. Okay. So I'll just read out Michael's question if I can find it. Um, he said, I'd appreciate your thoughts on SKI. I bought the stock last October. All right. So October 2019. So November was the low. So October was a month prior to the low. By the look of that, I see... Uh, just have a look, it might have been the low. So you bought right in the low. So I'm not going to tell you that you picked well in terms of picking the low because, <laughs> you know, that's a fluke. And mm. you, this is the catch, and, catch a falling knife scenario where you, at the moment you may have been a bit lucky, but luck can turn, in, turn the other way. And if this stock trades back below this level, I would say that it's still going to continue to decline. Now, mm. If it does hold up, it's got massive resistance up here to get through at around 240. So, but there's still a reasonable upside to that level. There's a lot look, of resistance around where it is right now. Yeah, too. look, it looks it looks okay in the short term. It needs to get through this level at about is that 230 roughly? I think. Yeah. If it if it trades above 230, then it's more than likely going to move up and and head towards this zone here where I talked about. Yeah, mm. I just put a stop loss on it, mate. If you haven't got one already marked out on uh, on your trading plan, then please put a stop loss on it. Cause, Document a little yeah, trading plan. Because this could just be, like Janine was talking about, it's, uh, it, you could be catching a falling knife and obviously where you entered, that's where Janine and I would think you would have been doing, but you were lucky. Um, so don't, um, I suppose, what do you call about it when you don't take more risk? You know, it's don't, don't, it's don't, the, don't push the bar barrow over to the cliff. pushing the barrow because mm. if, you, if you've done it once and it worked, then what's mm. the probability of it happening again? Well, it's not the it's, same it's on the next the one. It's not the same on the next one, yeah. Because it's a different stock, different yeah. situation. So we're not saying to get out. We're just saying put a stop loss on it. While it's rising, stay with it because this could just be a reaction where the market just moves up or the stocks moves up before the next downward move. Well, essentially, um, it's his money. It's his decision. Well, yeah, you know. there's an old saying, it's your money, Ralph, isn't it? So um, look after your money. But let's get into the next stock. This one is for David. Um, he's asking about VHT. Okay. Um, he said, hey, guys. Um, oh, we've actually got James Taylor watching. It's a famous dude. Um, <laughs> love watching you guys. Do you do you like two? I'm not sure. Is two a stock, T-O-O? -O? No? It's I don't probably know. a If it's a one. stock, let me know, guys, and I'll tell you. But so David's saying, hey, guys, what are your thoughts about VHT? Do you think it's about to fall out of its long-term uptrend? It looks like it. At it's, the moment. The answer is yes. <laughs> it looks like it. Okay. 
So Nick, do you want another stock? Have we got time for one more? Um, yeah, well, we've got a few of them here. So the next one is, is Jumbo Interactive. So we've got um, um, Smith um, is asking about Jumbo Interactive. And I'll just find their question. Give me two secs. So Jumbo Interactive, please, is it a hold or sell? Okay. Now, it's in the decline. It's, I wouldn't even own a category. <laughs> you were um, quick to jump on that one. All right, so looking at that, it's actually traded below a really important level and it's, it is in decline. So let's just have a look at whereabouts it might go to. Um, it could stop where it is right there. There's a possibility. The next potential level would be down here at 8 to eight or $9. I think so, it's going about 7 um, It could head down there, mate. So that's the issue. Mm -hmm. When stocks are falling like that, you just don't know exactly where they're going to stop. Mm -hmm. You can work out the probability of, of where mm -hmm. it will fall. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd say, you know, we really need to see this stock head back above this $16.40 okay. mark. And if it does, then it would be moving back up again. So yeah, down a bit. The producers just like told it. me there's, there's a little bit more comment down low, low later in the chat okay. by Smith. Yes. Um, he says, hi guys, I purchased gin, gin for $15.40. Now it's $12. Should I sell a hold uh, or hold till next week and wait for the result? Well, um, you should have it's a stop loss. Well, you should have had a stop loss on it already, mate. You've lost $3. You need, you need to make um, your own decision on that as to how you're going to manage your risk. That's mm. the first priority. When you buy a stock, you must know how you're going to get out of it. So just have a think about how mm. much you're willing to risk on it and, and where that um, pressure point is for you. Yeah, he doesn't say where he bought it, but it's probably my guess is given looking at the chart, you probably bought it on those few weeks going up. Could be uh, around thinking here. Thinking it's bottomed out yeah. and it's starting to go up. You but really there's no rule there. No, nah, if you haven't bought my book, get it because it's the cheapest 30 bucks you'll ever find because it would have mm. kept you out of that. Um, but you need to, you're already losing about 20% roughly based on my calculation. So that tells me you also don't have a stop loss on the stock. Um, but right now, Janine and I aren't going to give you any good news. Whether you hold or sell is really up to you. We're not going to tell you to do either. Um, but none of our students would have been in this for the last eight months, I reckon. Um, that's We would have exited such a long time ago. It's not funny. That's where we would have been. Okay. Um, what are you smiling at? I'm just smiling because my chair creaked. Oh, your chair. <laughs> it oh. wasn't me. I it wasn't one you. of those noises, but guys. But I feel really embarrassed because <laughs> I want a new chair You want a right new now. chair? Okay. <laughs> Okay, you're in control. You okay. So we've got another right. stock. Please. Okay. You should be, you're supposed to be asking me. Um, we've got Paola. Uh, let me have a look at Paola's ears. Code? I don't know yet. I've got to read the question. Um, so um, she, uh, who, I'm not sure whether it's a, a guy or a girl. I think it's a lady. Mm -hmm. I, I do think it's a lady. The picture looks like a lady. Um, hi guys, I'm a total beginner to the share market. Fantastic. Trying to learn as much as I can before I buy shares. I got Dale's book and was wondering if you recommend to me to stick with the top 20 when I'm ready. Go. I would say yes. Mm. That's a really smart idea. That's how I started. And mm. you know, I hand charted top 20. I wouldn't, admi I wouldn't mm. advise anyone to do that. But I would say, yeah, go for the top 20. Pick some really good stocks out of there and use some of the things that Dale suggested in the book and, and start from on the right foot. In, which is, It's mm. so great to hear someone doing it that way. It is, it is. Can I, can I just say something? Mm -hmm. Like a lot. A um, little but a lot. Um, when you're starting out, it's not about making money. And I, really, I know that sounds really, really strange, but it's about getting into a habit and, and, and getting into a process, not just being hit and miss. Um, uh, most of the time we see uh, people start out in the market and they get into chat forums or they get this tip from a friend or they read a newspaper and they get this tip and they just have this 
they just buy stocks willy-nilly. That's not what trading's about. That's not what investing's about. It's about having a solid process. So it's better in that first sort of 12 months-ish, it's about getting into good habits, not bad habits. And the reason why so many people struggle and fail is because they just start off all over the place. They're like It's like shooting a shotgun into the wind. You know, uh, you, you, the pellets are going to go all over the place, and hopefully, you're buying and praying. Hopefully, one will stick. It's not like that. So, as you read my book, you'll learn how to start with a little bit of money and how to build your portfolio and construct your portfolio. So, this next 12 months is about getting you into the habit of putting the right, you know, touching the right buttons on the broker platform and doing your research and, and getting that solid strategy going. And then, once you get that confidence, then you can go outside the top 20, but just stick there at the moment. They'll look so, after where do you. people end up that do the opposite? They end up broke. They end up broke, frustrated. They have inconsistencies. Mm. They, 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 then they're chasing their tail, trying to make it all up again. And we see that pretty much every week. You know, I don't know mm. how many times I see people that go, that tell me I'm a trader. And we've had a lot of response from last week's show, where we talked about the you know, the behavioural. Well, mm. uh, yeah, that was fun. That one when we talked about mm. the Dunning uh, Kruger effect. You know, with people with that cognitive bias. Mm-hmm. We've had a few people email us this week say, "Yeah, that was me." I thought I knew stuff, and we get people that go, oh, I know how to draw trend lines, or I know how to do this, or I know how to do that. But mm. if I sat down and put a put you in, a, in an environment and said, let's go and do an exam, 99.9% of the people would fail Yeah, uh, who tell me they're traders because mm. they're not. They're, they're delusional about how much they know what they do. Yes. Whereas this lady, Paola, is just doing a fantastic um start to her portfolio she's bought the book first mm. she's starting she's reading it to learn what to do properly and all you got to do is just follow the process in the book and if you've got a question just email me i'm happy to i remember it. when you first started doing mm. workshops you said to people all if all you did was follow the money management rules that you mm. would do better than what you're doing now yeah i've even said that and, to room of financial mm, planners yeah i said you know you guys can pick stocks but i can if i just use my money management rules i'll make money mm. you know and i can give it I, and i could have somebody people in a room just throwing darts at a board mm-hmm. with stock codes on it and I still make money because yep. of how we do the position sizing and the money management and the risk mm. will still make money and that's what most people don't focus on. So what you're saying is that by mm. following your book, what she'll be able to do is pick a few good stocks out of the top 20 mm. and is more likely to make money over the long term. Yeah, and she'll have more peace of mind mm. and more confidence and she'll uh, make more money. That's what we want to hear. It's simple. So we've got some more stocks, haven't we? So we've got a few more so that we've done that one. So let's get into Troy. He's asking about BID. BID. Um, And Troy is saying, hopefully, um, here we go. Hi, Dale and Janine. What do you think of Bid Energy? I bought in at $1.03. It looks like an upward trend. What are your thoughts on this stock medium term? Look, I mean, I think looking at the picture, you can probably already gauge what I'm going to say about it from the long-term chart. Um, it's very patchy for a start. So that that tells you, and I'm just going to check what the data shows, because whenever you analyse a stock, you've always got to download your history. So I've just checked that everything's fine on it, and it's still got the gaps there, Dale. So I'm, you know, I'm a bit concerned about the liquidity of this share already without even going to the weekly chart. And then when I go to the weekly chart, I can see that um, it's the picket fence scenario again, where we get those sideways moves happening. And then if we put the volume on, we can then have a really good look at what's going on with this share. So you can see how volatile the the volume in this share is. So these types of stocks, it's the reason we don't trade 
in the low end of the market. So with our direct equity managed account service, we can actually trade out to the top 300 shares on the market. But most of the shares that we're covering are in the top mm. 100, a big weighting generally to the top 50 in the market. Mm. Sometimes we'll be weighted to the top 50 more or we might be weighted to the, the, the mid-cap 50. But looking at the this share, um, the liquidity just isn't there to be able to get in and out safely. It's just so low. So it doesn't matter how much money that you know you could potentially make out of these shares, we just wouldn't look at them at all. Um, so, I mean, at the moment it's going up. So I can make a comment on what I'm seeing right now. It's going up and so it's looking better than what it has over the, the, you know, the long term, but it's a high risk scenario on this share when you're looking at the history of it. It could continue to trade up towards this high here in the short term. If it takes out that low, then I'd be saying it's more likely to continue the decline. So um, something you have to have a strategy on and know how you're going to, to exit, basically have your little parachute ready if you need it. So that's a, a rundown on bid energy. Have we got another one? Um, I've got a comment from Dino. There is an absolutely shed load of comments on the forum, but Dino's asked, Dale, do Did he you just swear? Shed load, I said, not shed, okay. shed, not like, it's like ship creek, but it's shed load. Can I tell you yeah. off if, seeing I'm leading the show? You do anyway, you do anyway, you can tell I've me. I've just been given the go-ahead by the director, oh, yes. Geez. I don't know about that. Anyway, can we get back to Dino? Dino, sorry about that. Okay, sorry, Dino. Dino, Dale, do you get asked to give advice on the share market more before a crash than afterwards? This could be another indicator. Ooh, what a that's smarty. A, that's a really good question. Remember, now you're thinking. Very good question, isn't mm. it? Very, very good question. Um, I'd say before. It's before the high. Mm. It's mm. before the high. I'd say we get a lot of people. Because what happens is, is before how the market works is when the market's at a low, it's the smart people in. That's why they say the amateurs buy at the top and the professionals buy at the bottom. Mm. So you've got all the smart people in and then the market starts to move up and you start seeing this on a nice little trend. And then it'll reverse and it'll come down. And generally that coming down is a real deep sort of move down because the people that were in the market, smart people, bought in and they started selling out to take some profits. But the people that had got burnt during the GFC, for example, and they, they're not in the market at that stage because they're still talking about how much money they lost and crying into their soup and all those sorts of things and swearing off the market forever. But then you see the market bottom again, but the bottom's actually higher than the original one of the GFC. And you'll see this after 2009, the market went up and came back down again. Then the market starts to take off. And you start seeing that's a really, really good time for people to get into the market because you know that it's bullish and it's going to continue to move off. And then the more that goes, the You're more people start getting You're saying after that initial rise and pullback, yeah. then there's another move up, second move then up. Then there's a move up. And then you're yep. getting still got the smart people getting into the market then. But the more that goes, then the more everybody else starts to get interested into it. Mm. Okay, But then you get some profit taking again and the market will drift down and go sideways. And we saw that basically on the Dow when Janine was talking about the Dow going sideways from 2018. That sort of sideways is drifting down. That was that sort of period. In that period, a lot of people, the amateurs, who didn't want to get in in the whole big move, they're going, oh, this is a perfect time for me to get in. Um, and then the market starts to take off. So what I expect the Dow to do over the next one or two years is to go a lot more vertical mm -hmm. um, and other markets are going to be more vertical. They start to pick up speed as everybody starts to get in. And when you're getting all those people that went in at the bottom, they're the ones that don't know. And so they ask a lot more questions near the peak and they're going... 
and but they're also one of those people those people that have a lot of the the big that bias that we talked about they just don't even know how much risk they're taking and they're buying anything that's moving they're buying anything speculative they're just buying you know illiquid stocks and they're taking it and then when the market crashes they're the ones hanging on mm. you know hoping it'll go back to where they paid for it and we see so that you, on you stocks. would think that more people would ask for help after the correction wouldn't you they don't they just shy away they yeah. just stick their head in the sand mm. and we're getting more people coming back now it's like you know like you even know like before the gfc the inquiry rate we, we were getting on our courses was three times mm. what it is right now and then it just goes the other way and now it's all picking up again so the interesting thing was that during that time we were, mm. we were hearing people wanting to trade cfds so mm. we were we were trying to pull the reins in on people and say hey don't do this. Mm. Just start to, you know, follow, do the um, mm. proper training first. Don't go and look at to trade CFDs, the leverage markets, until FX you've actually learnt to trade shares properly. Binary options. And yet Given. they were just ignoring us. And that's that's a classic mm. example of mm. what happens in just before the peak. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. So yeah. So I might take it, but it is a good. I think that's a good idea, matey. Dino. Yeah, very smart. Uh, next stock, EVN for Evan. So let me just have a look at what Evan's got here. He's asking, where is a um, could I get your thoughts on EVN? Bought at four dollars and seven, so he's bought recently, I believe. Look, I'm, I liked Evolution Mining, but following this big rise and then a correction of almost the same degree, I've gone away from it. My thinking on this one, I think short term it's likely to move up, but I think that momentum has been broken. So I just think it's gone into a higher risk category, and it's a bit of a question mark at the moment. But it is looking all right in the short term, so it it may continue to rise. And I would definitely have a good um, trailing stop underneath this one if you're already in it. So that's Evolution Mining. I've finished. Jeez, my that was quick. I haven't even got a chance to look at the chat there. So um, Luke is asking about LTM and he's asking Luca Longera. He said, hi, guys. Love the show. Thanks, matey. We love having you on. And it's great. All the questions of people firing. Now, I haven't today, picked so. the right stock here. So what was it again? Um, it's um, LTM. 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 You know LTM. You know that really, really well. Um, uh, he said, would you kindly review Altium? What happened today and what's the future look like for this share? Well, look, this is one of those shares that's been mm. trading sideways for a, a fair amount of time. So from February 2019 all the way through this period to January uh, 2020. And we know that when a stock does that for about a year, often it will move in, you know, it, after that period. It's not going to trade too much longer in that period uh, f before it breaks out. And this is what we've seen on Altium. But being in reporting season can just change anything. And this is what we've seen with Altium right now. So we're right in the middle of that and the stock has just plummeted. Now, I don't know the exact detail because I, I didn't look at it this afternoon to know what's um, going on here. So that'll be something I'll be looking at tomorrow. But we can see here it's come back to fill a gap there on the daily chart, filled a gap there that's created a new gap above. So it may move up now to fill that gap and then we'll, we'll have to wait and see whether it recovers or not. It's always a challenge, though, for stocks that are making higher highs. To, if it's not making clear higher highs and powering on like it did in this period here from September 2017, or right through to here, you can see a rise into January or February 18. It's a very different scenario now. So I, I would say that mm. I don't, I, if I owned it, I wouldn't be selling it right now, but I'd be holding it. But mm. you know, I wouldn't be buying it right now either. No, I wouldn't be buying it right now, but mm. it looks all right, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, there's a couple of interesting questions here. One's from 
I think Decibel825, who's saying, question Dale, how do you really know when the top is, is since we do not know when the central banks will stop QE money, money printing? So if rates are forced to negative stock price, will continue to increase. I think you're overthinking it, mm. um, really way overthinking it. Like we were saying a little bit earlier before, I don't care what the who's Fed's doing. Who's he reading? Yeah, like who are you reading? Yeah. It's, it's irrelevant what the Fed's doing to me, it's what's the stock market doing to me. So um, I don't look at whether the Fed's printing more or less or how it's working and you've got to de-link or uncouple that thinking of, oh, I've got to look at the economy to know what the stock market's doing. Just look at the stock market. The, the stock market will tell you, and the things we looked at earlier about you know, margin lending going through the roof, leveraging going through the roof and other things, people getting into all manner of different um, areas, looking at the trading, how many people, how much more money's going into managed funds, all that sort of stuff will tell you when the top's coming in. And you just pull back on buying and you just slow down and you'll start waiting for the dip and then you have your stop losses. Your stocks are triggering Exits. Your stops all trigger. Mm. We, we were triggering, our stocks were triggering exits from what about May in 2007, um, oh, June? Look, and, even uh, beyond that, well, it depends because yeah. some stocks were making their highs well before the high mm. um, in the overall market and some were making their highs after the overall It happened in 87, it, it happened varies. in other times as well mm. where the big stocks weren't making their highs six months before the eventual market peak so they do tell you that sort of stuff i think we were about in june or july of 2007 we were about 60 percent invested with our clients and then the market took off to make the high we didn't get into that we just said no it's happening um, and then it started coming down so we didn't get hit our clients didn't get hit but people who read my book my first book didn't get hit either because they had stop losses so it's irrelevant what the market's doing as long as you have an exit strategy that's pretty much it one stock are we there one stock one Mr. more producer Maybe two if we're lucky. So, but you have to hit the subscribe button and hit the like button. Unless likes go up, he's not letting me do one. That's what he's telling me. And he's the person that must be obeyed. Um, I think it's VWL or UWL. Let me have a check. I will find it here somewhere. UW. Yeah, a quick detailed analysis of UWL, Adelaide-based company. Goodness. Yo. Yeah, so I don't know what... I don't know what's happened to this particular stock. It's got a bit of a history, obviously, there. It looks like mm -hmm. at some stage, it, it, oh, there we go, there's been an adjustment. So this is what's happened. When a corporate action occurs, often there'll be an adjustment, but the data may take a while to catch up. So I've just done that, and I have very little data now, which is quite odd. Mm -hmm. So looking at this, um, no history means that it's, it's not easy to determine where a stock's going to go. But on the one hand, it can be quite simple to see what's going to happen in the short mm. term. So looking at that, ab above this level that I have marked at the top of the chart, so the all-time high for this um, share based on the data that I do have, shows that if it does go through that high, then it should, be, it should continue to rise, but a move back below this low here, and we're more likely to see it to head into a further decline. So, mm. you know, it could go either way at this point. That's what it's showing. Yeah, it's a little bit indecisive, isn't it? Mm. It's a little bit indecisive, so... Um, we've got a question now from, let me have a look, from Sensei, and he's asking about Tesla, if I could find it. He said, should we buy Tesla um, at US $800? What are your view on the likes of ARK Invest or similar, saying that Tesla shares will be $22,000 to $25,000 a share in a few years' time? I think that's probably CREP. <laughs> um, uh, but how do you predict that far out with what you've got with Tesla at this point They're just trying time. to get a news It's just grab. a news headline. It's, mm. it's what they call clickbaity headline. Right now, yep. 
Tesla's looking awesome. If you own it, stay with it. If you don't own it, I wouldn't be buying it. It's pretty much as simple as I'm saying. Um, because it's you can see how on the chart, this thing's gone vertical. It's gone up 300% since about October last year or close to it. Yep. So it's run really, really hard and it's getting to that overheated space. So what is it going to do to create value into that and actually say to the market, well, there's more value here. You know, you get in it at, at 900 So what you're 000. saying, it's just running on a bit of euphoria now? Yeah, it's just running on a bit of euphoria. And, and if we look at if we looked at the buying of it, more people would buy near the end, which is what we are talking mm. about earlier. When you start seeing buying really start to increase, yeah, as well as another for a particular stock, you actually do see a lot more volume coming in. Have a look at the volume there, that second last volume bar uh, that we're seeing there on the right-hand side of your screen. It's, it's the largest bar on that bottom histogram there. That's for that top. So that's telling you a lot of volume came right into that stock. So at this point in time, um, I wouldn't be buying new positions in Tesla, but I would be holding current positions. It's not telling me to sell. Uh, I'd be looking for value elsewhere. So, so you can see the volume really shot up mm. on the, you know, similar sort of angle there that we've got for the price mm. of the share. At about the same time, we had this spike volume here. Yep. And then it dropped for a little bit temporarily while it went sideways and then another big move up. So exactly what you were saying. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so just there's lots of little signals. If you understand how to read the market and how to read charts and how to read the stock, there is shed loads of money there to you make and, and make it really, really safely. But if you're going to trade on emotions, you're going to get struggle, you're going to get inconsistency and you're going to get Excuse um, me. losses. Sorry. I think we should have a little jar sitting here with, where I can shed. put some coins. I said coins. shed. I didn't say anything else. I, I said leave shed. leave some coins on the desk from your shed wallet and then you can pop them in there. Well, you'd be lucky there's, there's no money the in my wallet. Show. My wife doesn't give me any cash. <laughs> so I'll be pretty safe. <laughs> okay, um, let's move on. Next week, we're going to have something um, to really get you thinking. If tonight, tonight didn't get you thinking, then next week's really going to blow your socks off. And we hope you've enjoyed tonight's show. Thank you for participating. Remember to subscribe to the show and um, press that like button for me so I can get more what likes. Don't Since wear I've socks? been in control, the, the likes have to go up. Come on. If I don't wear socks, you're still going <laughs> to blow them off. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, if you'd like to see the show continue to grow, then remember, please share it on your social media with your friends and colleagues and tell everybody about it. And look, remember to make sure that you um, send an email to Dale and ask him to buy me a new chair. <laughs> Um, could you put this in your calendar, please, and be back right here on YouTube Live every Tuesday from 7 to 8 p.m.? Okay, and remember, we're always happy to receive your questions. So send them to info at wealthwithin.com.au and just type Wealth Within Live in the subject line like some of those people did today. And as I said, if you've got a question, just put it on the, um, the YouTube chat as well, and we'll get to that. And thank you um, for, for picking some really great stocks tonight, mm. not just the small ones, but we've seen some really good, big quality stocks. Mm. That brings us to the end of the show. And again, we really hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. As always, thank you for joining us and we hope to see you again next week. For now, goodbye, good luck and good trading. Take care, guys. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com. And click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.